chapter 5. In our Wednesday study in 2 Peter this last week, we were looking at chapter 2 of 2 Peter. And in that, um, Peter is writing to the believers and he's encouraging them that they can trust God in the difficult times of life and that God will take care of things. And and then Peter goes in and says, you know, there's a lot of evil around, but God is going to bring judgment on them. And he gave three examples. Even, even as he did the angels that rebelled against God, God brought judgment on them. Even as he did the people in Noah's day that did evil continually, God brought judgment on them. And then he gives the other example of Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities that um, Lot lived in and vexed his righteous soul. And tonight we'll be dealing with that um, in more detail. But God brought judgment on those cities, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, for their pride and, and evil. And in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, he says that he delivered the angels to the judgment to be reserved for judgment. They, they have a reservation of their final judgment. Well, when you think about it, every one of us has a reservation. It's kind of like, not kind of like, but worse than a reservation with a dentist. I'm sorry if you're a dentist here today, but most people don't say, yes, tomorrow I have a reservation with the dentist. I get to go see the dentist. Most people don't look forward to that reservation. But every one of us has a reservation for a meeting with God, the judgment of God upon our life. And that's a reservation that really we need to take seriously. We... We're a group of us. We're reading through a book by C.S. Lewis. And um, in it, there was a passage that, that really gripped our attention one week. And then we even came back to it the next week as, as we met again. But in it, this passage says... When any man comes into the presence of God, he will find, whether he wishes it or not, that all those things which seem to make him so different from the men of other times, or even from his earlier self, have fallen off him. He is back where he always was, where every man always is. Everything is always the same. Do not let us deceive ourselves. No possible complexity which we can give to our picture of the universe can hide us from God. There is no forest, no jungle thick enough to provide cover. We read in Revelation of him that sat on the throne 
from whose face the heaven and earth fled away. It may happen to any of us at any moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a time too small to be measured, in any place, all that seems to divide us from God can flee away and vanish, leaving us naked before him like the first man, like the only man, as if nothing but he and I existed. And since that contact cannot be avoided for long, and since it means either bliss or horror, the business of life is to learn to like it. This is the first and great command. I mean, he deals with this paragraph, but to sum it up, in any moment, in a twinkling, all that divides us will be gone and leaving us naked before him like the first man, as if nothing but he and I existed. Can you imagine in your mind, you and God, period, alone, period, together? That You have that reservation. You didn't make that reservation. God's made that reservation. And someday... Every individual will stand before God. And and the bottom line is, there are two opportunities that you have um, to stand before God. You'll either stand at one place or the other. You will either stand before God at the Bema seat or judgment seat of Christ, Or you will stand before him at the great white throne judgment. And we want to look at those two judgments. Every person will stand at one or the other. And we will determine which one we will stand before by what we do in this life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 Oh, no wonder I'm on the wrong. I'm in 1 Corinthians, all right? It is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, okay? And verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, he's writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to the believers. He said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word that is used there is bema. It's sometimes referred to as the bema seat of Christ. Bema, in the original language, was a place where after an athletic event, they would be given their rewards It was a place of rewards. This judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema seat, has some unique characteristics. Number one, Christ is the judge. He is the one that we stand before. This is, secondly, it is only for believers. The only people that appear at this judgment are people that have in this life 
come to the point where they acknowledge, I am a sinner, my sin has separated me from God, and I know that only Jesus Christ can forgive my sin, and I call upon him to forgive my sins and save my soul, and there has been a change in their life produced by the Spirit of God. They give evidences through their changed life that they are a child of God. They truly have been born again. They are the ones, we are the ones that will stand before God at this judgment. It is only for believers. And he says here that... um, will appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in the body. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And notice if you'd look in, in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's saying we are building a building and the foundation has to be Jesus Christ. Meaning, you have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. You've laid the foundation. You have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, born again, regenerated. You are a child of God, and now, after you trust Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you are building the building, he uses the analogy here. Verse 11, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation... With gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. So, he says, you have laid the foundation, Jesus Christ, and you have been building on it. Your building materials, he uses the analogy, are wood, hay, and straw, or gold, silver, and precious stone. So you build this, you live your life, you choose how you live your life, And your life will be tried by fire. This is the judgment. Your life will be tried by fire. Wood, hay, and straw, gold, silver, precious stones. Put in the fire. Wood, hay, and straw we know. Gone. Disappeared. Gold, silver, and precious stones are purified by fire. They... They survive the fire. They not only survive, gold and silver are purified by the fire. They remain. What he's saying is that our life, someday, every believer will stand before God and it will be a, a time of great revelation because it will reveal 
what kind of life we lived, how we built our house, so to speak, what kind of life we lived as a believer. Now, you can fool some of the people some of the time and all of the people some of the time. And there's another part to that. But you can't fool all the people all the time. And the final part is you can't fool God any of the time. And someday, every one of us are going to stand before God as a believer. And we may have people that might even stand up at our funeral and say, what a great person he was. But God knows what we really are. And it will be a time of great revelation. It may reveal that we weren't all that we convinced people that we were. Or it may reveal that they were much greater than people thought they were. I believe in heaven there will be great revelations. There will be people that we thought that we didn't even know about that we didn't even think were great Christians that will be standing head and shoulders above anybody else because they were fervent prayer warriors. They, they secretly gave and they faithfully served and God will reward them. God will reveal all the good things they did. There will be other people that it will be revealed that they were as a hollow tree maybe. They had, they had life because they wouldn't be at this judgment without spiritual life. But there was a lot that was missing in their life and they lived their life for the wrong purposes. They may have been doing good things, but their motive was wrong. And all of that will be revealed. Someday I am going to stand before God and my life is going to be tried by fire. And that which was done for God's honor and glory will be preserved. And that which is not will be gone. I mean, to me, this is, a, this is a, an, awe-inspiring, an awe-inspiring thought of thinking, I mean, me before God and the reality of my life He knows every detail about my life. This will be, and it can be, a time of great rewards, as we already said. This will be a time, he said, a cup of cold water given in my name. I will reward you. You you that have given in Matthew, he says, you have given secretly to others. He said, I will someday reward you openly. You have faithfully prayed for others quietly and unnoticed. He said, I will reward you. This can be a great, great time of rejoicing. It also can be a time of great remorse. You notice what it says in verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. We cannot imagine what it means when it says he will suffer loss. To know that our life 
was lived in vain. To know and to look at God and to know I wanted your gift of forgiveness, but I didn't give you anything in return. I, I took the gift, but didn't show my appreciation by living for you. To suffer loss. To live our life investing in eternal things. And, and exactly what he's saying here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is this is for believers. And there are people that will be saved. We, we say saved by the skin of their teeth. The Bible says saved so as by fire. They, they have no rewards to lay at Jesus' feet. They have no rewards. They do not hear, well done, thou good and faithful. And, and God, pity your wretched soul if you think, I'll just be happy to be in heaven. It won't bother me a bit. It will bother you way more than you imagine when it says, we will suffer loss. To look at the one who gave his life and shed his blood and bore the spitting in his face and the slapping for our sin. And we came back with an ungrateful heart. But the day is coming. You and I are going to stand before God. A day of revelation. We, we hear reports and, and you know you hear news. This person had to leave his job because of, of fraudulent practices or immorality or this and that. And, and people are shocked. There's not going to be the shocks like there's going to be here at this day. To stand individually before God. That's the judgment seat of Christ that is for believers only. I know we, we tell the jokes, Joe died, went to heaven, Peter met him at the gate. That isn't how it works, okay? Make for good jokes. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a good joke on something like that, but I'm saying the reality is if a saved person dies, they will stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ not to determine if they're getting into heaven, that was already determined when they trusted Christ. It's going to be determined what kind of rewards they get. See, this is all about, we don't have the time to go into it, but this is about rewards. And to suffer loss means I have no rewards. But turn with me to Revelation 20. If in this life individuals say, you know what? I don't really buy into that Jesus Christ forgiving sins thing. I don't really believe that, and everyone has an opportunity to believe whatever they want or not believe whatever they want. But every individual in this life that does not receive Jesus Christ as Savior, does not acknowledge Him as the one and only Savior, everyone that is in that condition will appear before the great white throne judgment. Notice Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, 
from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, this is the great white throne judgment. Again, Christ is the judge. Who will be judged here? Those that are judged are all the unsaved of all the ages, the great and small. All the unsaved that have never trusted Christ of all the ages. And what will they be judged by? They will be judged by the book of life. In the book of life is recorded the name of every individual that has trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin. In that, the books will be opened and it will be proved to them that they had never trusted Christ. Their name is not in the book of life. There's there's no mistakes with God's accounting, okay? The standard is the book of life. And the judgment is the same for everyone Their names are not written in the book of life. They're standing before a holy God. They must acknowledge that they never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And their their judgment is they will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. That's exactly what the Bible says. And... These are the two judgments. You will either stand before God as a believer and either be rewarded or suffer loss, or you will stand before God as an unbeliever and he will prove to you that you never trusted Christ and you will be separated from God forever and ever. You notice not a word about being a Baptist or any other denomination, not a word about being confirmed or baptized, not a word. They're going to measure your good works and your bad works. It's what you have done with Jesus Christ. Now, let me make some application here. Number one, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We cannot imagine what it is like for us to stand one-on-one before God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God and to know that He knows every detail about us and that our eternal destiny and our eternal rewards is in His hands. Secondly, every one of us will give an account to God. 
It, it's just a matter of time, as C.S. Lewis said, it may come in a twinkling. I mean, in the next moment it could happen. Every one of us. I mean, this is guaranteed. You have no guarantee about how long you're going to live, what's going to happen in your life, but you can count on this. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Every one of us will stand before God, and there is no escape from God's judgment. And what we do with Jesus determines which judgment we will face, either the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ deals with rewards for believers. The great white throne judgment brings the judgment of eternal separation from God himself. And it all is determined by what we've done with Jesus. It doesn't matter if your parents think you're saved. God isn't going to say, let me call your parents in here. No, there's nobody. It is us and God. And God knows if we just pray to prayer to to please people, if we just pray to prayer to to get people off our back or because others were doing He knows if we're truly a child of His. And it will clearly be evident by which judgment we end up with. Number five, every secret thing in life will be revealed. We live in a day today that it is it is readily possible to have excess of evil secretly in our lives because of all the access we have to all the things. But do you understand, you may get by with it all your life, but someday our sin will be revealed. That ought to strike the fear of God in our hearts. To, to realize, I mean, you can go back and erase your history, and they say you can't even erase that. If they want it, they'll find it. You can't erase nothing with God except the blood of Jesus Christ. And the worst is, he's not going to come and say, why would you do that and why would you do that? We're going to have nothing there to be rewarded for. The shame and reproach. And it is a day of revelation. But understand, it is a day that God will bring justice. And that ought to encourage our hearts and it ought to motivate us to purity. There are many things in this world that are not right. And you may not be able to make them right. But God will bring justice. And that ought to make you, if you have been wrong physically, financially, emotionally, sexually, in whatever way, to know God is someday going to make this right and I can rest in Him because they may think they got by with it there, but God will take care of it. And it also ought to make us say, 
God, help me to live in such a manner that I could hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful. Toward the end of the 19th century, the Swedish chemist named Alfred Nobel awoke one morning to read his own obituary in the local newspaper. It said, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before, and he died a very rich man. That was the obituary. He's sitting there reading this. Actually, it was Alfred's older brother who had died, and the newspaper reporter had bungled the epitaph. But the account had a profound impact on Noble. He decided that he wanted to be known for something more than developing the means to kill people efficiently and for amassing a fortune in his life. So he initiated the Nobel Prize, an award for scientists and writers who foster peace. Noble said this, Every man ought to have a chance to correct his epithet in midstream and write a new one. Few things will change us as much as looking at our life as though it is finished. You know what? Every one of us needs to look at our life as though it is finished and we're standing before God. Will you be standing before the judgment seat of Christ as a believer? And if so, will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful? Or will we be revealed that we built with wood, hay, and straw? Or will we be standing before God as the ultimate judge, and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Honestly, the burden on my heart is that people can grow up in a church like this. They know all the language. They know everything. They know all the accounts, but they've never personalized it. And someday they will stand before the God in the great white throne judgment, and they will be said, depart from me. I never knew you. They knew about God. They knew about the Bible, but they never had personally submitted to God for forgiveness of sins. Daniel Webster, the great American statesman, was once asked about the greatest thought to ever enter his mind. He quickly, without even thinking about it, responded. He said, the most important thought that ever occupied my mind is my accountability to God. He lived with the reality that someday I am going to answer to God. For the gift of life, physical life, for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and for what I've done. You have a reservation. We're going to stand before God individually and everything will be wiped away. 
Which judgment will you stand at? The judgment for believers or unbelievers? And if a believer, will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful? Heavenly Father, there's no way that, that my feeble words can convey the um, enormity, the holiness, the solidarity, the fear of standing before you. But Lord, I pray somehow that your spirit would grip our hearts to this reality. And Lord, I pray first of all, if there are individuals here who have never called upon you for the forgiveness of sin, Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation. I pray today would be the day that that they would run to you for forgiveness and call upon you and escape the judgment of hellfire. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that is not certain how to do that, that before they'd leave, they would mention that to us and we could gladly show them from your word how they can know that they have everlasting life. Lord, I pray for believers here today. I pray that we would realize that at any moment our life could be over and that someday we will be standing before you. Lord, I pray for believers here today that are hiding things in their lives. Lord, help them to be of the mind that you see everything, you know everything, and someday it will be revealed. Lord, I pray that we would confess and forsake our sin today, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and eager to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I pray today would be a day of great cleansing among we as believers I pray that from this time forth, we would live with the reality that I am accountable to you, and someday I will stand before you. Lord, would you remind me and us of that often? And may we live in such a manner that we may hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.